Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, did some people put their foots in their mouths. <laughs> wow. Yeah, foot mouth. Foot in mouth disease. All right. So we're talking about this debacle, online debacle, how to be <laughs> an office, which is like a terrible title. It is. How to, sorry, how to be in an office. I left a e- word out. E- exactly. How to be in an office. Is that a question? Well, that to be quite I, honest with you, even when you left that off, it's like kind of the how same. To, how to be an office? You almost have to ask: Do they really know what it's like to be in an office, whether on the corporate level? And I understand that the the moderators all are practicing architects, but wow, two out of three. Yeah, I, I think that the. Well, okay, so a little bit of background. So there was a, a live stream event by SciArc. They do this base camp series. And the topic of this one was how to be in an office. And it's available on YouTube. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. There's also uh, an, a great like, summary article by a Twitter person called The Hustle Architect, which is a pseudonym for something else. Its Twitter name is at Vitruvius Grind. And there's also a summary cut video on YouTube, which we'll put a link to called SciArc Lowlights. They just kind of cut the the especially egregious pieces into this video. <laughs> Don't I, They didn't leave the egregious pieces out of this video. That's what this video is. It's just the hot takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So It's those ones that you hope the mic was off, but no, I mean, the hot mic was the conversation it's, and you were just like it's wild this is a wild wild video and i think you know more than anything i we're not here to maybe pick apart every little piece of this video but kind of the overarching structural topics um and how they relate to the issues in the profession i think are probably the biggest drivers of this conversation because this just this video just points them all out and i think one thing that no, let's just start and say who the, the three people on the panel were. There's Dwayne Euler of Euler Wu. There's Marika Trotter, who works with Tom Wiscombe Architecture. And then there's Margaret Griffin of Griffin Enright Architects. And Margaret was one of my thesis advisors, actually. So I do have a slight connection to this video. I don't remember her being so self-serving <laughs> <laughs> when I when I studied under her. Uh, I'm kind of hopeful and possibly glad that you might not have interned with her. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this, this, what's interesting is like they're, what they're talking about is not my experience in architecture at all. Um, So I want to put that out up front that your your experience doesn't have to be, but they absolutely believe that this is how to be in an office. Right. And, and what was interesting about it, so I, I wrote down the, the, the thing that came to my mind that just struck a, a chord that, so I had to write down that it was this meat market mentality. And, and it was this, it, we, we've said in the past, in, in even like past episode and in several episodes, you know, where the way things were 
is not necessarily how the way things need to be. And it's interesting because we've had this com- I've had this conversation with partners in our firm, you know, other senior associates, project managers, everybody else, you know, and, and their take on it is it, there's some similar takes out in the in the profession where they're just like, well, what what's the big deal? I mean, if we ask them to work harder or work longer or, you know, take less pay or whatever, why aren't they just happy that they have a job? And, and you're like, wait, just because we went through that doesn't mean that it was right and that we should continue to perpetuate that problem. And yet there are there are quite a handful of people who truly believe that this is the way, this is the way that you earn your chops in the profession. And there there was so many things that I took offense to on this very bougie attitude of boutique firms and better design versus corporate offices. And you've sold out a Cormac, obviously, <laughs> because you you big firm equals bad, right? Big, big firm equals bad. Big, you know, I've sold my soul for the money, which I obviously can't hold the laughter in hard enough. But I, they were, wow, I mean, I was just, I was, so I looked at, I watched the long version as well as the short version. And what I found funny actually is the the short version, the the low lights version was offensive to my sensibilities. Yeah, because it's just the hits keep on coming, right? Like there's there's no ups or and down. It's just all down, 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 down. <laughs> so so it's it's all down, down, it's down. The low lights, down. yeah. And and so when I watched the long version, in I, I listened to them kind of expand upon because here's the thing. Let let's be you know let's be fair to them. Is that you know the low lights version was really just the cliff notes. It was the out of context. It was just the straight. You know this is what they said. And here's the problem that I had with the long version is the explanation of what they said wasn't doing them any better. <laughs> it just, they just kept digging and in, in a way it made them sound so arrogant and so out of touch with the profession that if that's the way that they conduct business and that that's the way that they conduct the, the staff in their office. I don't really honestly know how they keep staff in their office. Well, they don't. Margaret Griffin herself said she was worried about getting fired every single day. And she has obviously (laughs) brought this mentality to the practice of architecture today. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I have of this is that there are no solutions here. This is the way it is. And you will have a job and you will like it. Like Dwayne Euler said, you know, don't go where you're paid the most. You certainly most you most certainly should not go to where you're paid the most. Hopefully you'll go somewhere where you'll make a living wage. And, <laughs> and, and basically the theme here is you'll have a job, you'll do what I say and you'll like it. And, and I thought what was so ironic was when Margaret pointed out about going to a big firm like Gensler, which was totally, this should be the worst thing that you could ever choose to do because then you might have to draw bathrooms for, for a year. Right. And okay. We've definitely talked about that kind of thing on the show before, right? And yes, there are people who get pigeonholed into doing that kind of busy work, right? Absolutely. Should architects still be drawing parking lots today? I don't think so. But And yet, architects won't adopt technology that'll do this for, for them. So <laughs> right. whatever. Right. But But I think what is so crazy is some of the stuff that's come out since this 
live stream in regard to Tom Wiscombe's office, who America Trotter works for and works with also at SciArc. He is he is one of the professors at SciArc making a shit ton of money at SciArc. I mean, if you if you Google SciArc uh, faculty pay on Archonnect, you, you can see because this is all reported information. You can see what what these people are making. It's it's in, it's it's a lot. And and one of the things that came out was that like you'll go work for Tom Wiscombe for for basically I, I don't know they don't say how much I'm guessing basically nothing for a couple of reasons but and which we can get into in a minute here but one of the things that he has the students do is deep clean his office so it's like you can go work for Ginzor and you can draw the bathrooms or you could go work for prestigious atelier Tom Wiscombe and you can actually clean them I do have to admit one thing never in my life heard of Tom Wiscombe so I I, I mean. <laughs> okay, well, LA, so he's a a local, you know, Wa- wanna be want to I'll say wannabe architect. Yeah. Maybe he uh, is. Okay. One. Okay. Well, not quite okay. the Stark, but definitely on on the wants to be on the trajectory of that. And I'm not saying that these are even bad people, but it really shows badly. And I, and and apologies for making it sound as if it's just like, you know, ooh, you know, I mean these these people who are I'm just more thinking to myself that the Genslers, the SOMs, the HOKs, the AECOMs, the the people like that. What I find interesting about like the corporate capitalist, um, I, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, firms, to be quite honest with you, you actually do if if you're pursuing commercial architecture as as you know part of your resume building, I can't honestly think of a you know better firms to work for. Only because now preface all of this by I've never worked for that large of a, of, of a firm before. I mean, honestly, our firm is a medium sized firm. We have three offices. It never really feels like a big firm. And at at our maximum right now, we're at 180 across three firms and a variety of different people scattered throughout as remote employees. And so we're not a big firm, but because we're a a corporate firm that has higher education pursuits as our kind of like main staple, you know, we're able to broaden people's experiences and go from different levels of, of practice uh, to different levels of, of projects to big projects, small projects, fit out projects, things like that. So you, you're getting a broader spectrum of, of experience and, oh my God, the whole you're going to graduate and you're going to do bathroom details is long since gone. I mean, we make a conscious effort to involve interns, uh, newly graduates in every aspect of the process. We do know that they're not going to be able to do all of the finite details of things because they've just never experienced it. So it's up to us to be able to shepherd them through all of those. But this, you know, kind of like you got to pay your dues. You've got to do this particular project. I did a shitter. You're going to do a shitter. It, it, it's that's long since gone. But the thing is, Cormac, that doesn't even matter because the, that doesn't fit the narrative that they're trying to push in this exactly. in this video, exactly. which is you need to come work for our boutique atelier firms for nothing and and like it. 
that's the main message here. It is completely self-serving message that they were putting out in front of students who are paying $51,000 a year to go to school. You should try to get a job that maybe pays a living wage. You should not have work-life balance because, as Tom Euler said, why would you want to go to work and then and then go home and have have a life? Like that's no way to live. That sounds like miserable. And and basically basically setting everybody up here with this kind of propaganda narrative of how they run their offices and that is the way to be in office, or the way to be in an office is to fall in line with this self-serving slavish mentality of how they run their firms. They, they don't even know what it's like to work in a big firm. They probably never have. They're definitely not asking what it's like. They have their minds already set on how that's going to fit into the narrative, and it's presented just to push the narrative. Right, right. 51 grand a year to then be told that you need to go work for... Okay, so... Okay, I already said that part. I'm not going to say it again. But I think I think one of the one of the other interesting things that has come out of this. Okay, so so step back even further for a minute before I get to that, which is these problems run so deep. This is something finally scratched the surface and allowed it to be on display on a freaking live stream on YouTube, which is just mind-blowing to me. I'm glad it happened. I just can't believe how unaware the three people sitting at this table are about what's happening that they're that they are speaking into a hot mic that is being broadcast around the world and kept on a YouTube channel for everyone to see forevermore right like okay so maybe they really don't understand that maybe they do understand that and they're okay with it i'm not sure why they would be okay with that but they did it so i think i just wanted to point that out that like these are tired old guard types and they yes. i don't think they get this yes. at all <laughs> well they so what came out of this in what was just this shocking reminder of you know some of my own experiences is this live eat breathe architecture kind of mentality and then ha- side hustle th- two three four times on the side so that you can actually survive yeah Exactly. It's, oh, so you're not making enough money in architecture, but still dedicate all of your life and passion to architecture. However, if you want to make money, you know, go be a waitress, go be this, go be that, you know, do these things. And you're just like, well, holy shit, that's just the wrong way of thinking about things because you literally are perpetuating a. That is the word, uh, perpetuating this problem. Yes. I remember my thesis here. And so when I had. I think everybody knows the story is, you know, after my third year, I ran out of money and I went and I worked for a firm for a while. And what's interesting is I will, you know, in the long version, they were talking about experience between undergraduate and graduate and the the value behind that. And 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 I don't disagree with that. I mean, that's actually one thing that I, I do like about, you know, one of the few things that they were talking about that I could agree with is that you as a architectural professional will increase your value to firms and your own marketability by the level of experience that you have. And so, but whereas I, I ran out of money and I had to go for, you know, go to work. And, and so I went and I, I worked 
and so I, I, I was lucky enough to land as a hourly employee at an architecture firm, which made a decent enough um, living for me to be able to save up enough money to get back into school and, and everything else. But in that, in that interim period where I left school and started working, I met my wife. Um, we ended up getting married as, as uh, you know, the years went on, um, as I'm wrapping up my degree, you know, we have our first child. So my priorities shifted is that, yes, I need to, you know, do the best that I can in school, but I also need to do the best that I can for my family. And I was basically told by a, an architectural professor, very much like the three that were sitting on that panel, you need to go ahead and quit school because your, your perspective has shifted that you don't, you know, live, eat and breathe architecture. That it is not your number one priority. Your number one priority is split. And so not only did I basically say... This is the narrative of, of a lot of academia. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, not only did I basically say F off, but I, I did work harder to prove to him that I can't have a, a balance in my life that was priority of family and of my profession. That it wasn't like this, I have to live one life and one life only. That it is about life. Suffer for your like, art. All, all, yeah, exactly. I won't suffer for my art. I mean, I will dedicate myself to my art. I will be the best professional that I can be. I will help propagate a better profession for others. But I'm not going to sacrifice mm, in contrary to plenty of conversations that we had about some obscene hours that I've been working recently and all of that other stuff aside, I really truly believe that you can have a life and a um, profession that are co-mingled and not just, you, you're not like sacrificing the art and creativity of the profession by having a life and family and everything else, which was but that's yeah, just like like your opinion, man. It, it seemed to be, <laughs> you know, that and, I, I'm wondering if this kind of toxic narrative that they were spewing live stream on the Internet, but also in front of this live audience of hopeful students emerging into the profession was inspiring. And it was, it you know, and, and then you got into the Q&A and, and, and the, the students were talking about their reality and, and their answer was. Well, you just got to, you know, you've got to make the sacrifices. You be you. Like you just, you just do oh, you. Oh yeah. Sorry. That was, that was even, that was even that more was, disingenuously just be, Because it's totally disconnected from the reality of this, of these Ex international students who can't get the visa to do the work that she's talking about doing. Like you just can't even do it. Oh, well, I don't know. That just wasn't my experience. Like really? No shit. That wasn't your experience. It's so obvious that you can't even speak to this because it's so disconnected from these students' reality. It's insanity that you're up here as a quote-unquote leader telling people how to be in an office, telling them that the way that they need to live their life and not have a life and all these things. And then when they actually present a real problem of how to actually accomplish what you're saying that they need to do and you have zero answers because and you just cop out say well you just do you i guess if you if you're not ready and willing to do what i'm advising you to do then maybe you shouldn't even be in architecture uh, yeah yeah so i'm glad and you I brought could, up I the could... students because one other thing i wanted to, to mention here which was the point i wanted to get to earlier and then i derailed myself which was 
that the tie-in with Tom Wiscom architecture is, and America Trotter is that they are they're having students intern in their office under this type of a uh, you know working conditions and situation and pay and all these things, but also controlling the decision making process of who gets scholarships. And there was evidence that came out that somebody who worked there could not do the things that they were asking them to do or would not do them. And it affected their ability to get a scholarship, which was threatened upon their departure. Well, if you don't do this, then, you know, you might not get a scholarship. And then they didn't because they're using this as kind of a, a way to vet who, who's got it, who has the, what it takes to dedicate their lives to this in order to get a scholarship. And so they're actually directly, they're basically using scholarship money to pay for the students' internships. Yeah. It's totally yeah. screwed up. That's not the right word, but it's totally screwed up. <laughs> yeah. And I can, I, and, and I don't know, you, you're, you're probably closer to it, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that the, the scholarship is their pay. Basically. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like the, and the ethics and, behind this are just incredibly out of whack. Mm. So, so Tom and America have been put on leave at SciArc because of that. But that all came out of kind of this, how this video ended, where the students start asking real questions and getting upset and not getting answers. And then that led to people actually speaking up about the what's actually going on in a much deeper level. So, wow, like it's it's incredible. And, and I just think like you, when that was kind of posed to you as a student of like this kind of, you know, self-serving BS about about how you need to be in the profession and you need to dedicate your life and suffer for your art and do all these things, which is just perpetuating the problems. All of this narrative, just per, per, there's no solutions. There's no ideas about how to fix this. No, like, actually, I want you to come do that for me because now I'm in a position of power, right? That's what that's what the, the panel is, is basically doing. And that inspired you to step up and say, like, you're not going to tell me. Uh, I, I just wonder, like, how many students had that feeling walking away from this? I felt like this was a, a huge downer. And I would not be surprised if these students... I mean, what do you do after you've spent 300K on five or six years of being in Sciarc, right? It's like, uh, do you continue to pursue the profession or are you like, wow, I have nothing to look forward to? Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. 
On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to our conversation. I'm going to say this, and it's somewhat naive in the way that I'm going to say this. So forgive me for anybody who is, you know, a SciArt grad that that feels differently. And, and I would love to learn differently. And I know um, a SciArt grad uh, that, you know, used to work in our office and I consider a very good, you know, a good friend. And she's an amazing architect. But that aside, the way that they phrased it is just like, oh, you're graduating from uh, Sciarc, you will have all the tools to rule the world, kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys have a really high opinion of yourselves because I do know some, and it's mostly they walk around in the whole shit don't stink kind of like mentality. But it's usually like the I'm going to call it lesser uh, universities in in their opinion that are like the ones that are covering their butts in like doing the actual work. I mean, they do the fancy little sketches of like, Oh, here's my God. I hate the word atelier when it comes to like, because it, it, it seems to have this perception of putting people who work in such a place and a higher, you know, standing than, than other people. And, and everybody pays their dues and everybody works hard to get through architecture school. And I've truly believed that, it isn't the school that makes the architect. It is the person who takes that education and makes it their own mm -hmm. that really makes it. And, and I've sit, I've met so many people of the higher status um, schools that I can't work with them because they don't work. They, and, and I'm generalizing and I know I'm going to probably get some, some flack for this and all, and, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, I, I do feel like, I don't know, I, I guess I was so put off about the airs that were put on, the arrogance that was put on, on like just the, the approach that they take to how much better they were. And I guess, you know, it coming from lowly Auburn architecture program that, you know, I'm just, you know, we all, we're like, you know, it, it, we were always like, you know, oh, you, you come from Alabama. How, how good can you really be? And then they like see how good we really can be. It the experience of working with the lower class architects um, changes their opinion. But I, I don't know. I guess I guess that's a chip that I carry on my shoulder. Well, I mean, I'll just throw it, throw in here. I can watch this, and I can watch. I've been to lectures at SciArc. I've been to Hernan Diaz Alonso, who's running the show over there. His lecture. I've been to Tom Main lectures over there, and and they're interesting. 
then I get into like this, the thing that we went to with your alumni get together in Atlanta AIA conference. And I watch Citizen Architect. I can tell you those two things leave me in very different places. And we've talked about those on the show before, those places that I get left in, right? Where it's like, what am I doing with my life when I watch this one thing versus versus this, which is extreme distaste for the perpetuators of the problems of this profession. And I think it it is, there's an exclamation point on the end of that sentence in the symbology of the way Margaret Griffin said that she isn't going to be around to deal with these problems. And I think that that is also symbolic of how a lot of people in, who perpetuate the problems in the profession feel as well. Not my problem. I'm going to retire. In her case, she's going to take off in a rocket and go to another planet, right? That was her, that was her solution. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm out of here, man. First rocket out. I'll take it. And oh, remember, you know, with all that money that you're not making to survive, the, the, if you can hopefully make a living wage, buy stocks with that. Right. It's just like insult after injury. It's it's just piling on and on and on. And and when you add it all up, this is I can't imagine how those students felt at the end of this conversation. The conversation itself left me so disillusioned in, you know, kind of like the state of of the profession when you have people like that who are creating young or shaping young minds. But what gave me hope was was the pushback after, you know, in the Q&A session that all of those students truly understand the fallacy behind the statements that they were making, truly understand that, you know, this is not this is not the the profession that they were talking about was not the profession that they are getting into. And, and, and that gave me some, you know, kind of like joy and hope that there is hope coming out of Cyark in spite of the, the this arrogance. <laughs> I think this is another another outcome of these professors being completely disconnected from reality, which is that today's students are hyper-connected. When we were students, when these professors were students, that wasn't the case. And they're not aware of how much things have changed in this regard. It's Students talk about all of the taboos that we were told we could not talk about when we were in school. They talk about all of them, and it's conversational. It's not like this, where it's just dictated from one side, like it's coming from the pulpit, the religion of architecture. It's not <laughs> right. like that anymore. Right. I mean, everybody's on all of the social media platforms, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I want to discuss this topic in further detail some other time, but this whole idea of the pseudonymous kind of narrative that people can do. You see it on Arconnect, you see it with Vitruvius Grind on Twitter and people who have pseudonyms because then they can say whatever they actually think. Whereas there is still definitely a downside to saying what you think and people knowing who you are. I mean, kudos to the students who actually stood up in that lecture there in person and asked those tough questions and put their reputation as a student on the line. And these professors would like you to think that if you ruin your reputation as a student, you're done for in the profession. That is not the case at all. That, no, it, you can go work for another place and they don't care what happened at the last place. They want to, if, if, you're, a, if you're a superstar, you're going to be a superstar no matter where you go. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think that like this, this further disconnection of the reality of, of what students will do nowadays compared to when we were students, they're completely off the mark because we, we see it, we see it with cancel culture. We saw it here with students not being afraid to speak up about this toxic, the toxicity within the, within the educational environment, within the internship environment, within the professional environment to say like, this is not okay anymore. And I know like you, I'm glad that they did that too. And, and I, this is to me, I see this Cyarch issue, this event as a, hopefully a tipping point. This stuff is going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere. And what I'm hope I, I know the school hopes this will just go away. I'm hoping it doesn't because this is, you have to have the tipping point for the whole profession to take notice. And as we kind of talked about in the last episode, you have to have an existential crisis for change to happen. And I hope this is it. Well, what was great about all of this too, not only were the students, you know, speaking up in front of them and challenging their, their ideas, but the backlash from the, you know, architectural community as a whole was pretty amazing. I mean, there's been numerous articles, numerous podcasts, numerous just discussions around the water cooler about this everywhere, which is amazing that the conversation is happening. And so there's more and more transparency of the way it was versus the way it is versus the way it should be kind of conversation. And we need to, the only way we're going to change and improve and get better is to keep having these conversations and force the conversation. Don't let it go. Don't let it go dormant again. It's like, oh, well, let's just sweep this under the rug and, and pretend it never happened and, and, and slap the people who are perpetuating this issue on the hand and, and then rolling on. And no. The only way to do this is to encourage more conversation about these difficult topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. In whether it's just like, okay, well, you know, I think we're done talking about this. Can we move on to the next one? No, we aren't done talking about this. We should never be done talking about this because the, un, unless, awesomely, the profession changes for the better. Um, but see, this is also a knock on the perception of architects and in general as well, is because people who see that, you know, see this arrogance, see the the reason why you know we've got such a low influence of overall design impact on, let's just say the. You know, let's just use the U.S. as an example, but we have got such a low percentage of architectural involvement on the building practice that's going on today. It's been it was a low number when uh, you know I was sitting in as a student in a lecture, listening to you know people come in and they were talking about the the percentage of actual architecturally designed buildings in the states, and that number has actually dropped over the course of the 20 years since I've heard, well, actually more than 20 years since I heard that lecture. And the reason why is in the faces of those three architects. Those three architects are what continuously drives a wedge and pushes people away from dealing with architects. It's because that's what they think architects and architecture is all about. And that isn't what architects and architecture is about. But, but, you know, if that's the face that people see and that's the conversation that people hear, 
nobody's going to want to come and work with us. Nobody wants to. It absolutely is the face. And you can tell because that's what the media covers, the architectural media. It, those kinds of projects, those kind of people with those kind of thoughts, with those kind of attitudes. It absolutely is. And, it, and it's not, I'm generalizing, right? That it's not 100%, but it is. I mean, I think one, if there's one thing that we can point at, it's actually some of these lately, you know, firm of the year gold medal winners, Pritzker Prize winners, we're actually starting to see change in that attitude, but it's not happening everywhere at the same time. And the influence that a video like this has toward the negative, as far as turning people off, I think is enormous. And I don't think that they're thinking of it in that way. Maybe they're thinking this is more thinning of the herd um, by, you know, with this kind of first year you know, get rid of all the students who don't deserve to be here kind of an attitude. Um, but but that's not serving this profession in a positive way whatsoever. It, it is such this, oh God, you, I mean, you, you hit it absolutely on the head with the, the attitude that they portrayed. It was like, well, you know, if you can't hack this, then you shouldn't be in architecture. And I'm like, that is such a almost boot camp type mentality of, of the way to like nurture. I mean, it's not a nurture mentality. It's a weed you out. I am going to cause you so much pain that if you can't hack this pain, you can't hack the profession. And we're not saying that this profession isn't a tough profession in that sometimes you do need a thick skin, you know, and, and, you know, in, you know, like our conversations about me house hunting and things like that, don't get wedded to certain ideas and stuff like that until it becomes a reality. And so there is this, there, there is a toughening up that we need to do, but it comes through experience. It comes through nurturing. It comes through actual, like seeing everything play out. And it doesn't mean that, oh, let, let's face it. We're jaded. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know, the architects are jaded people and, and, and it's because, you know, we see kind of like all of the roller coaster ride of of these of the profession, and r- because of the mentality that we grew up with, which is perpetuated again by the those three faces, we didn't we didn't know how to deal with the ride any differently than with this almost pessimistic attitude. And what I love about these students pushing that mentality is there is a better way to do this. We may not know what that better way is, but why are you telling us that the only way to do this is to suffer and bleed? That can't be the only way. Please, you know, like help us find a better way. And when they're like, well, if you don't think that this is the way, then you don't need to be here. I think what's really interesting about this whole thing with the, the profession in general is that the architects who are in the profession don't see the profession itself as a design problem. Exactly. Oh, exactly. That's what it is. Absolutely. But we don't have time for that. I, I definitely think that there are answers that lie out there and a lot of people can play a role in the solutions to this. You have, we have to take the time to actually work on the profession ourselves. I will say this, and, and I don't know if it's been your experience or not, but so I've worked for 
a variety of different firms. I worked for a very small firm that was, you know, five people. I've worked for, you know, medium sized firms where you know, maybe a hundred, 150 or so. I've worked for a large firm that felt like a small firm because I worked for a satellite office. I've worked for a variety of different ones, corporate, if you want to call them corporate, um, versus ESOPs. And what is interesting about my experience throughout my career is the ESOP itself, and this you know, is kind of the nature of, of, of being an ESOP and what the benefits of being an ESOP are, is that everybody has a voice. Everybody has a say. It doesn't necessarily always feel like it at, you know, all the time because there is still a structure, a hierarchy structure. There's a board and everything else. And, you know, there are you know, different positions within the firm. But everybody can challenge those positions. Everybody can, you know, speak up and say, look, this is my firm too. I have a right to say the direction and the course. And, you know, I have a right to be a part of the conversation because it is my firm as much as it is your firm. And, and I think that that's more rare than, than the, <laughs> it, is, it is more rare. It is more rare. But what's interesting is just take, for instance, you know, Air St. Croix. I've you know, now been working for, you know, now I'm my seventh year there. And, and so this is a different experience in being an ESOP. And I've even seen, the discourse within our office evolve from us slowly moving out of the corporate structure to then moving into an ESOP structure, then moving into an ESOP structure that's got far more transparency. Now, I'm not going to say it's, you know, perfect right now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, my experience with an ESOP was that uh, in my last firm, it was an ESOP in quotes, but it was still run like a normal firm. And it was really just an ESOP so that there were no corporate taxes is what it really felt like. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting about this is that I, I would say that I I came in and it was just a few years out of being a corporate firm. So it was probably still very much, you know, corporately run as that mindset has started to retire or started to change. Different faces have, you know, emerged as leaders there. There's still the corporate mindset of like the, the approach to project chasing projects and things like that. But I will, I will definitely say there that there is a lot more discourse amongst every level or level of experience in the profession that is a lot different than you know I've experienced in the past. And what I find somewhat refreshing about that, and hope that it continues to grow, continues to develop, and continues to become more and more of the nature of the discourse in the profession, is that back to the students who stood up and asked those questions, they want to take an active role in making it better. That's the design problem I'm talking about, right? With the profession. I totally agree with this. Yeah. That's where we need to, that's where we need to mentor our, our young. We don't need to mentor them in, you know, doing bathroom details or door schedules and stuff. Yeah. We need to do that too, but we all need to do that. I mean, that that's just the nature of pulling together. (laughs) buildings and stuff but we need to nurture them into speaking up for what's right in the profession because then it starts to align our values in the profession to being you know much you know stronger values let's just yeah i think i think there is hope for sure when when i saw those you don't get to see who they are standing up which is on purpose right like that, that 
there's definitely uh, a, but there's a value in, in them doing that. And I think we're seeing it in other places too. And to me, this is kind of the, the silver lining to all this is that there is a movement happening, the movement that involves people speaking up, that involves people exposing the bad ethics. Um, we also see the things like like the New York Times article on shop architects that came out, you know, a few months ago. There's the work that the architecture lobby's doing. There's the work that NOMA's doing. There's the work Architectural Workers United. There's there's several of them out there, and so there is there are people working on the profession, and that can be a grassroots effort, but it can also be an organized effort. And I think we are. It's good to see it happening from both both ends of the candle, right? In that regard. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, this video to me, it really reinforces that a lot of people, this is the game of survivor. It's just like, they're just at trying to outlast this really bad thinking that exists out there and waiting for them to die. Right. That's, I, you've heard it put that way before. I mean, that those, that's not original thought. Like a lot of people, a lot of people have said that over the years. Um, yeah, but I think that, that that is what's happening on one level. On the other level, there is a level of activism that's happening that's just speaking truth to power, right? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been very guilty of stating that the only way for real change in architecture is that there's a lot of old mentality that needs to die off. The The old guard really needs to be purged. And you know that sounds very harsh does, yeah. and <laughs> but i know what you mean <laughs> but it, it maybe not the person themselves but that that mentality that that constant perpetuating of the same thing over and over and over again that's what needs to be purged that's what needs to die off is that and and i'm glad that you know more and more people are challenging the you know the way things were or the way things are and really trying to push them into saying that, look, you know, just because this was the way that you've done it for the last 50 years doesn't mean it was right. Doesn't mean it was just or that it's still appropriate yeah, or that it's still appropriate. And so, you know, when we say it's time to move on, it really means it's time to move on. So it's time to move on. So it's time to move on. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.